All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. For those who are joining us, having attempted to watch my attempted Instagram Live simulcast, welcome to Twitter, Facebook, and or YouTube, or if you're listening to the pod, everyone is welcome. We are here with Gopher Soccer, soon to be Gopher Soccer star Alma Beaton and her mom, Anne, literally an OG, an original Gopher from that first Division One University of Minnesota soccer team back in 1993. These two are officially the first legacy pair, first mother-daughter pair to play for the Gopher soccer team. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. This, is, this is a lot of star power in one place. We are going to start <laughs> with what, what I mentioned before we got recording, and I'm sure a lot of folks who are watching probably read that same Star Tribune feature in the soccer hub that was about you all this last fall. And easily sort of the coolest thing that I found in there was that, um, you know, uh, and we were talking before we were recording, you work at Robinsdale Armstrong, you work at a different school building, and Alma is actually the one who asked you to come and coach at her school in St. Louis Park. And so, I Alma, we, we'll just kick it right to you. Talk about what went into you actually making that ask of your mom. Um, well, my mom coached me when I was a little kid growing up, and a lot of my friends still remember when she coached us, like, nine-year-olds, like, eight-year-olds, like, my friends still remember that, and they're on my high school soccer team, so when I saw that there was, like, an opening for the position, I just immediately thought of my mom, and I knew that, like, it'd be kind of, like, satisfying to see it come full circle for me, I guess, like, to finish out my high school experience. I also know she's a fantastic coach, and I knew all my friends that, like, were on the high school team would be excited to have her coach them again, so I was like, I know you've turned down coaching positions at other schools, but you should come to St. Louis Park this year. And this, as much as I talk about how unique you two are, the the family vibes in the Gopher program are sort of all over the place now because yeah. we have the Harper sisters, we have the Brown sisters, but I do think the mother daughter thing is so cool, and the the parent child thing is so cool just because it's it's such a cool like passing of the baton. And so for you and what did it? And obviously you'd coached her before, like Alma mentioned, but for you, what did that moment feel like of? Oh my, yeah, she actually wants me to come coach. And I, what would this be like to spend more time with my kid in this exact way? And maybe her, you know, her last year, all these things. Yeah, it was, it, all of that that you just named happened in an instance. And I just remember when she asked, I, it just, everything just sort of fell away. And I was like, yes, I'll apply. And it just was, it was no question. I didn't, I didn't think ahead. I didn't have a calendar in my head. I just wanted to go do that because it just sounded like an amazing opportunity um, to coach again, but then especially to coach her. And like she mentioned, the the little eight and nine-year-olds faces that I remember, I'm looking forward to seeing them and being a part of that St. Louis Park community again. Well, and and Alma, I have to I have to say, I I'm sure there's a lot of reasons you for sure wanted her to come coach. And then there's the ad, then there's the things that come after of like, okay, well, now she is my coach. There are, there are certain things that come with this, like the you always having to demonstrate the drill, have you always having to have a good touch, all those things. How did you how did you balance that day in and day out of like, of course you love her, of course you were the one who literally told her to apply, but then you're in it, you know, you're in it. I knew that I was going to be in it. And I was like, I'm going to give this, this, I don't know how long the high school season is, it's not that long. And I was right. like, I think I can handle it. My senior year getting told what to do by my mom in soccer and at home. I can handle it. It's worth it. And then 
and all the little moments when we had some scuffles, we pushed past it and honestly benefited from it. So, And I would have to say there were more moments where she asked me to coach her than, right. than yeah. I coached her. So I kind of left her, you know, I, everybody's coached differently, right? You, right? Everybody has a different vibe with you. And, and part of my relationship with her was just, I tried to just be the coach in those moments. And then she's like, you're not telling me anything more. And so then in the, with that additional invite, then I would say a little bit more. So trying right. to get Definitely. Is it, and Alma, was that like a stylistic thing? Like you can coach me harder or just like give me more? Like it was, was it like a, you yeah, can or you give can... me more. Cause okay. my mom's always been like, she's always been able to talk to me about my games and stuff. Like even when I have a different coach, cause she knows soccer. Right. And so I think she was used to giving like little pointers. And I was like, you're my coach now, like coach me, like give me <laughs> lots of feedback all the time. Cause I mean, now's the time when I'll really take it in. Cause I know right. that that's her role. Right. Going, going from the extra stuff after the thing. Well, to I'm like, okay. During the thing. It's like a big, well, and, and speaking of pointers after the game, your Alma, your dad, and your uh, your um, husband Andy is no slouch to soccer either. Like he has a soccer background, and so I'm sure now you both being part of the same team, do you both then get those after game pointers? It's like, oh my gosh, Andy, we get it. Like, yeah, you don't have to tell us both, or or would he choose and pick and choose? How he, he honestly did such a good job this season of just being a dad because he knew that we were already talking about soccer 24 seven. And so literally when we were making dinner and like my mom was still writing out like little playbook things for the next game. And he'd be like, Anne, you don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> like you're home now, like it's dinner time. I know she's your player, but you don't need to be doing that. So he did yeah. a good job after games. He, he knows how to, when I'm like upset or something and then he knows that I'm upset. So he's not going to, he didn't add on. to it. He didn't all. add on. I will say for, for me, he provides tactical cam. So he likes to sit high enough up. Yeah, in the bleachers he does that all he's like, I tactical cam view. And right. so I always appreciate his insight because yeah. he sees the game differently than me. And um, I, I really liked that feedback for myself as a coach. That is, that is also the same angle I watch games at, but I, I do that selfishly because I would, I don't know if I could see anything from field level. Like I, I would be so bad. I would be, I don't understand how coaches do it. I don't like, and I don't understand how you watch a game at field level and you have a sense of the spacing. It's like, you must build a whole coach's muscle of being able to see in two dimensions, but build it three dimensionally. Because anytime I look down at the Gophers staff and I think about them having to perceive the field, I'm like, man, they are not just twice as smart as me. They are 10 times as smart as me. Like, I can't perceive, I can barely perceive it looking from an up, from up. Mm -hmm. And then you as a coach have to see it 2D. So those angles are really different. I think I embody it as a player. I think I put myself in the field as a player. Right. And I can watch the pass and go, oh, I wouldn't have wanted it there. I would have wanted it here. And that would have caused me to think to do this. And so right. that's probably what I borrow from the most. Yeah. Well, and you, frankly, you both have just played a lot more soccer than me at a much higher level. <laughs> You're just used to it. So that all, all this really is me saying I'm not that good. That's all that entire segment. Was all that. So Alma, you know, you, you played your four years at St. Louis park. You were, you know, multi-time captain, but on the club side, you played with MTA, which is, you know, really highly accomplished players. It's a very specific decision to play for a club like that. You're doing national travel, 
you're going across the country, you are staying entire weekends with other kids, you are, it's this whole, it is a lifestyle choice as much as it is, you know, a soccer choice. And so when did that process start for you? And when did you sort of make that decision? And obviously, and I'm sure you were involved in that too, but when did that process of you playing for MTA sort of start? And then when did it, um, you know, like, how did, how did that adjustment go of like, oh, okay, here's what this is. Um, well, when I was a little kid and I played for my mom at St. Louis Park, like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would ever have like learned any basic skills if she specifically wasn't my coach, because when all the kids were, you know, doing dribbling, she would make me dribble with my right foot, which is my bad foot and stuff like that. Cause she didn't, she wasn't going to let me like get behind because I'm pretty competitive. And then I remember when I was like nine they were starting to notice that I was getting really frustrated playing for St. Louis Park just because like people were getting mad at me for scoring goals. Like I remember <laughs> my best friend when I was little, like this is like, we were like crying in the middle of the game because she yelled at me because I was scoring and she hadn't scored. And so then my mom was like, this is not a good fit for you. We think you should go play at MU, which is like Minneapolis yep. United. Yep. And I remember I like threw a fit and I was like, this is not okay. You're taking you away from my home when like I was nine years old and it's the same. Nine. Yeah. yeah. So then I went to MU and she was my coach again with Don Gremens. I don't know if you know who that is, mm-hmm. but he also played soccer like at a high level. And yeah. I think those years at MU, um, I played for the boys team for a couple years. Yeah. Um, Cause I wanted to like, I don't know. I was just competitive. I didn't, I wanted to play with the best people possible and challenge myself. And then I guess I always had like known about MTA because I think I played them in like an indoor tournament or something. And it was like the first time I had played against girls that were like as good as me. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I was like, Oh, I want to be a part of this. I want to go to MTA. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly the whole lifestyle change thing has always been something I love. Like, Uh I fully embrace all the travel and having to sacrifice like weekends at home and stuff like that, because I think I just, I, I never get sick of soccer and I kind of loved it. And I I did ODP for a couple years and like that travel and all that kind of stuff, I think it like combined well with MTA. Yeah. And as a parent, what were some of the thoughts that went other than, you know, like, this is an investment and all those different other than like the financial and the the surface level stuff, what were some of the dynamics that went into that decision of, okay, well, here's the change of we're playing locally. We sort of, you said we're playing MTA, we're playing whoever it's local, even at MU, a high level club where a lot of players have played, you know, that we've had on shows then changing as a parent, what were some of the dynamics you all balance in terms of what will this mean for X or Y or whatever? I think for us, what we put in in the very center was, is she enjoying herself? And Mm -hmm. so whenever the challenge was raised and then she'd meet the challenge or she'd come home from a a long weekend and be bruised up and tired and we'd just say, but but was it fun? And so, and it was, and she's like, I loved it. And so it didn't matter if it was a camp for a college or the ODP Florida event and all of that. It, it, the more she played at the higher level, the more fun she had. So I think as long as we knew that she was having fun and she was touching the ball and it was a good fit for her, mm-hmm. then we just did what we could to make it happen that she could continue participating. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, that, I think that's a, that's a healthy perspective on it because it's kind of like 
the regular amounts of drama are always there of like this, they sucked or like that tournament sucked or, Oh, I had a bad game. But it's like in general, if you have that measuring stick of, does she seem to be enjoying it or does it seem to truly have made her life worse? That's a good, that's a good pass fail test for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think I learned from a hockey coach who, um, when Alma was playing hockey and, yeah. and he had just talked to me about, you know, is she touching the puck? So that to them was no. that a, a sense of visit the right level almost a really fast skater. So right. put in some, um, she played with the boys for hockey, for example, didn't touch the puck a lot, but she was super fast and she was really like a gnat and like yeah. four checking. She's a right. four checking specialist. Yep. But um, with soccer, that was that thing. Is she touching the ball? Is she touching the ball? Does she want the ball or is she hiding? And so those were other things that right. we were looking for. And she always was stepping forward, wanting the ball. So it was a good fit. Right. Yeah, that is a good test. And I mean, and, and let's talk a little bit about your playing days. So you, Again, I'm pulling so much of this in that great Star Tribune feature. If people people haven't seen it, we'll link to it on all our social channels again from the Soccer Hub. But, you know, you started, I believe, at St. Thomas, and then you go to the U, play on the club team there, and then sort of while you're there, and maybe that was part of you going there, but while you're there, they they create, you know, the first edition of the Division One program back then. Yeah. And so this is, you know, this is mid nineties, early nineties. This is maybe a different, you know, format in terms of, I think maybe the first year, the big 10 didn't exist or something. It's like, I, you look at the, the, the historical records back then and it's sort of funny, but what was it like playing for the U back then? I'm assuming slightly less glamorous than the, than playing at ELR. Well, a little bit. if you walked past the beehives yep. and got safely to where the fields were, no, there, there was like, there were beehives at the yes. field. Um, I do know that when I got to campus my first year and it was a club team, I had heard people, the soccer community small, it was even smaller back then. Yep. I had heard that there was going to be a varsity program. And that's one of the reasons I transferred. Mm -hmm. um, and then that first spring, I got to be a part of the hiring for the coach. And then yep. we met her in Sioux Montaigne at the time. What was her name? Sue Papberg now. And she was there and ran some sessions that spring. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was more like her orienting herself to Minnesota. I can remember one practice where you would turn and there were bugs. Like you would turn because there, there was woods off to the yeah. side. Yeah. And so we were playing. We Most of us at that point were from Minnesota. So it was not a thing we knew or we, we understood it. And she was like, what, what is even happening? <laughs> I think that's the only time she ever cut practice short. Um, but then right. it started in the fall and we were given, I told her we were given, we got a gray t-shirt, nice, um, a gray pair of sweatpants and a gray sweatshirt, all was champion, great a pair of shoes and a pair of cleats. And I got cool. my own ball and I was like, I never had my own ball, like growing That's up nice. soccer ball. So that I was like, what? It was amazing. And the facilities, right. the way they crafted the grass to be plush and they pulled in bleachers and they wrapped the field with some banners. And um, I think my favorite memory the first year was we played at Beerman, which now has been reconstructed, but it was the center of the track. And we were about to start the first game and the marching band was practicing on the uh, asphalt behind the bleachers and they stopped and played the rouser. Oh, and that's when I felt like, it felt big time. It felt like I was a gopher. It was cool. 
it felt real. That's cool. And and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe where you played and the reason why you mentioning the bugs and the bees in the woods, I, I believe I know the place you're talking about. That this the field now is where like the club team plays. It's south of the Bell Museum, and they really played there for a long time. When you know when Aaron Chastain gets hired as the new head coach, every picture of her playing is on those fields, and so it's. For folks who go to Elizabeth Al Arabi Stadium now, it's it's in that spot, right? Like where those fields still physically are, but they're used for like practice and rec and all this other stuff. Yeah, there used to be an ag lime field and then there was a grass field or maybe they were both ag lime, but then they they completely grounds crude, like made it really nice in one year's time. Um, it was a great place to play because the first year that's where we practiced, but the games were at Beerman. We got special oh, permission to play because it was 55 by, it was 55 yards wide. We had like special permission to play because it was too narrow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't realize you played games there. That's really mm -hmm. cool. So we're going to take, well, we also, we got a comment in from Neil Citrero from uh, California Cousin. So <laughs> that's funny. just let, let you all uh, enjoy that. We're going to do a quick, break to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by Pence Homes. Pence Homes is a real estate team with Keller Williams. I personally have experience working with Nate and Lydia. I'm sitting in the home that Lydia helped me buy last year with my wife. Um, and they helped us sell our, our home last fall as well. Nate has been a supporter of the local soccer community, including as an owner of the Minnesota women's soccer team, which is soon to have its official name later this month. Everyone keep your ear to the ground. Um, uh, we also enjoyed working with one of their preferred lenders, Angie Shear with Luminate Financing. So if any viewers or listeners have questions about selling, buying, need a furnace, flooring, whatever, go to penshomes.com. You can see them on the scroller down there because that is how professional we are. So you can find them there. And and I also, you know, so post-college, you have a couple of years playing with the Gophers and then you know, when you're a young mom, the word is that Alma was always hanging around. And by that, I mean, sometimes literally hanging around in a, in a Bjorn with you as you're like coaching track and field. Mm -hmm. so talk about that early era of like young mom trying to still coach. Here's, here's my baby. This is part of the world. Now talk about that era, because I think the Gophers in the time I've been covering the program have always had a woman head coach. And I think we've sort of been it shouldn't be that we've been spoiled, but really compared to the industry, we are spoiled to have been having, you know, women leading this program. And so, you know, Steph, when she was here and Aaron now, I just have heard them speak so much to what it takes to try and make an industry that is not built really to serve women be a place where you survive and thrive. So talk about those early years of baby hanging out front. I'm, I'm coaching. I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. Well, she has an older brother, so I coached track for uh, like over 10 years at Armstrong. And during that time, he was born. And then during that time, she was born. She was born March 3rd. Track started March 10th. So I brought her with me to track. And um, I had her zipped up under my jacket in a baby Bjorn. And people were like, I thought you were pregnant. Didn't you have a baby? And I'd be like, sleeping. <laughs> And then by the end of the season, she was facing out. And so when I would call to kids across the track, she would start like crying. And I'd be like, oh. I'm like. Because <laughs> you're, like, you're, you're like screaming as yeah. this little tiny baby. I was just, you know, coaching. It's track way across the field. So um, it, it was an adjustment. You know, I think that it is challenging. And I can, as you're saying it, I'm, I'm remembering all sorts of comments that I was um, 
sat and listened to from uh, a lot of people about why am I doing this and and why are you I, I don't know if people ever said like you should be home but definitely people seem to want to weigh in on what my priorities should be and so, um, I think that you know it, it makes me proud to see Alma participating at a high level and and frankly to be able to participate at all I know my mom she's in her early 80s and we had a basketball hoop in the backyard and, and she played basketball. So we would shoot hoops and she was terrible. And I would say, I'm like, mom, why can't you shoot? You, you play basketball. And she'd be like, I was a defender. Like, <laughs> yeah. When it was, oh. when it was three and three. It was, it was, yeah. I think it was five and five. I was style. Right? right. And she yeah. couldn't cross the half line. So like yeah. that's our still generation. So I think it's pretty remarkable to see, you know, that you're having this broadcast and yeah. they've got a stadium for the Gophers and, you know, a female head coach. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty remarkable. I'm really proud right. to be a part of all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You mentioned I'm a defender. That's like when I read Pat Summit's book, when she was coaching high school, it was in Tennessee or whatever state she was in as a high school coach, it was three and three. Mm -hmm. And then she goes and coaches NCAA and it's like the first time you have to coach full court. It's <laughs> like, it's crazy town. Um, but that's, yeah, that's so wild. And I think, uh, Alma, I'm curious too, you know, you obviously have played at a high level for so long, like your mom mentioned. And I mean, if you're, if you're playing on the top MTA team, if you're doing ODP and all those things, obviously you're, you're in the realm of, you know, recruitment, super young, or at least players are talking about it young and you're thinking about it young. Recruiting is absolutely bonkers. I don't, I have no ability to like relate to what it would be like as a high level player. Um, but when you, you know, when you sort of consider what it's going to be like, we're finally getting there, you're going to be on the team. Oh my gosh, I'm playing at this level. Where are some spots where you think you can be most impactful? You know, if there are gopher fans on here, what kind of player are you? You know, just talk a little bit about your game and sort of when you thought about like, I'm going to go to the U because I can do this. Like, what are some of those things that you like to bring to the field and what you um, sort of are looking forward to about being on the field as a gopher? I think I watched so many games this year in comparison to past years because I was like, okay, well, now I'm actually going to be playing with everybody on the team. I need to figure out, like, how I could possibly fit in. Um, and so I guess after watching, like, I've always been a central midfielder, like, most of the time. But even this season, we've had a couple injuries, and I've had to step up as, like, an outside forward or a center forward. Um, which has been a huge adjustment. Like in our game this last Saturday, I played center forward like the whole game, which I haven't played since U13. And it was like our U18 ECNL game. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is different. So I feel like um, I've always been a really mobile player. And I like to use that to my advantage with like having good endurance on the field and being able to run a lot. And so when I watch the Gophers play and I know there's more depth this year because we got those fifth years mm -hmm. but in that sense um I think I'm versatile and I think as a midfielder that can really get end to end of the field I think I could see myself fitting in well especially in a conference like this uh -huh. um so that's my hope I also am just ready to work my butt off because yeah. I know that's what it's gonna take so um yeah. I'm just looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to um like seeing which players I connect well with like from a soccer standpoint because right. um that's something I really enjoy too is when I can combine really well with a teammate yeah um, that is 
really fun for me. So, yeah, I will. And like you mentioned playing in different spots in that front six, I think I ask which position you want to play, but really, you know, that can matter or it doesn't like, you know, it's, if you're yeah. in combination and you have some movement, I mean, the Gophers, when they looked really good, when it was the Ohio State game and they score four straight, when it's the Penn State game, when it's when it's these these games where they're just rolling, Clicking. that's when they actually got in combination. You know, like get Raylan Baker in there and all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, we have a six foot five forward. Yeah, they like there were times where players just chucked the ball at Baker and, and just, just perfect perfect subtle touch like shoulder shrug down perfect header down just like the dream for honestly when I would watch when I was watching Ray Lynn I'm like this is like a dream teammate you just throw junk balls at at him and then he turns any pass into like a perfect drop at your foot combination play and so there were those moments in the Ohio State Penn State are the ones that jump out because of the four goals but like when you're saying it's fun to see how you can get in combination those, those moments are electric, man. Like when the Gophers are combining, those are like, th- you feel that when you're watching those games. Yeah. So it's, I, I have the same hopes and dreams that you do, which is like, where can those combination plays come? Because it's, you know, you kind of described your game and in my head, I, so I almost picture like a Meg Gray type player, like a highly athletic, highly fast end to end combine well. And, and that is, by the way, that's like the biggest compliment I can give. I'm like the president of the Meg Gray fan club, but it's, I, are you, are you so fast that you're the one where even in the player announcement, they said like some speed and like all caps, are is that you or is that another player? Maddie. Oh, Maddie, her teammate. <laughs> My teammate is three times state champ in track. There, well, there was one of the player announcements for the incoming class, like literally like an all cap speed. Oh, was Oh, Fiona, maybe she's a defender. She is super speedy. I was, but I was, I was like, I was like, oh, holy shit! The program very rarely like gives one player the speed moniker. I'm like, well, she must. Mm-hmm. Be very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and I am curious. We're talking a little bit about sort of, you know, we we joked earlier about the a slightly scrappier um, Division One accommodation back in 1993. I am really curious, you know, combining the different eras. And one piece that was really funny earlier in uh, last fall, a couple of freshmen from St. Thomas were on the show, Lexi Huber and Abby Brantner. And they talked about seeing pictures of their moms playing. And the thing they brought up most was actually seeing their mom's big perms. But I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming also one thing that's changed a lot in the, in the, you know, from nineties to now, is the the off field things that happen for players, you know, like the, you know, on field, I'm sure there's always been like the tactics, the touch, the combination, all those things. But it feels like the physical development is maybe something that's changed most dramatically. And I know um, you as a coach that whole time have also kind of seen that how, you know, how have you seen that change from when you played to now what you sort of see Alma working on or what you encourage players to work on? You know, that seems like a dramatic change. I feel like her experience with ECNL is really similar to what my experience was like at the U. And okay. so I keep thinking if she's already having that experience, especially as she got older, like, you know, U16, U17, mm-hmm. um, if kids are already starting to get introduced to some type of strength training and then some kind of speed training, um, I think the tactics that they're being, I didn't get, I didn't, wasn't taught to head the ball until I was 16. Right. People just weren't teaching that. And so the amount of, I mean, when she was little, I would teach them so many different moves until I, 
I mean, we would do, we'd rip through 10 different moves just at the beginning of practice and they could do them all. And it was amazing little sponges. And I don't think when I was little, it was our dads who had grown up playing hockey were coaching. Right. And so they were like, shoot for the corners. And so, <laughs> I mean, honestly, why are you shooting at the goalie? There's room up in the corners. And so honestly, that's, that's more, that sounds like more soccer coaching than I ever got growing up. Every, every coach was always just a random dad for sure. For sure. So I think that what I'm excited by is if a, if a athlete gets that sort of information and gets that level of training younger, they can build those connections and take the game even further. And that's what I think I've watched with Alma and her teammates. So I think, you know, that off season piece or, well, I'm excited for her to have an off season. Cause I think with ECNL and high school, there really isn't one. And so I am curious yeah. what this summer might feel like to feel like an off season leading into an actual in season. Um, right. I'm what that would look like too. Right. Like individual, like individual training time, individual skill development, even the lifting stuff. Like you get in, you get to work with Corey, work with the staff. So yeah. you're not coming in August and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. That, that will be a big deal. And, and, and I will say too, I, we won't reveal our sources on the show. I do have some good, some good stories about you being a pretty physical player yourself and two, two very good anecdotes. One where a coach goes up to you and says, Hey, how big are you? And you say five, eight or however tall you are. And they say, well, why are you playing so small? Yeah. So like, so that's funny. That's on one extreme. And then my, my other story I've heard about you is you getting yelled at by a ref for being so aggressive yeah. and you being confident enough in the moment. And I don't know if you actually challenged the ref in the moment, but if you were, you're a very confident person. And you said, Hey, would you ever tell a boy they can't play physical? Yeah. So to me. I'm going to claim that. I will say I only had one yellow card. So I I play clean. That's good. I I was told, we were told, my team was told, if you you keep playing competitively, I'm going to have to call this game. That was a (laughs) statement. That was a statement. And then I hadn't realized, I, I was smaller in high school. I hadn't realized I had grown in college. And so I really didn't realize that I was five, seven or five, eight or whatever it was. I still felt five, five. And so yeah. it was only when I stood up in the office with the coaches that I was like, no, I was taller than you. They're like, you're tall. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're like, stand up. And I was like, wow, I'm really tall. <laughs> An epiphany of sorts. Yeah. That is, that is funny. It's also funny now to think about players like Izzy Brown or like Kenna Beisman or, um, Lauren Donovan, who are probably used to feeling tall, and they show up to the Gophers, and they're like, "Oh shit!" Well, <laughs> yep. I guess, I guess Raylan's here. My like, my bad. I, yeah. I didn't re- I didn't realize I'd be average height on this team. Um, well, and so last before we do have a final segment, but last question for you, Alma. You're you know you're committed to the U. You're crushing a Gophers shirt right now. You're you're ready to go. And so now there's no risk of drama of like other programs or whatever. So if you want to just quick run through like every program that was interested in you, what they were offering, just like throw all that out there. You can just throw that out into into the ether if you want. Okay, thanks though. Yeah. Well, well, and and all jokes aside, all jokes aside, when you were deciding on Minnesota, you know, what were some of the programs that were going after you hardest or like the ones that you actually, you know, what were some factors you were considering? I mean, because for players like you, this process can start so long ago. I mean, it's it's bonkers. You sometimes you have to be making these decisions 
15, 16, whatever it is, which to me is just insane and like such a pressure. But for you, you know, what were some programs that were either ones you really considered because of X, Y, or Z, or what were some factors that really went into it for you? Um, I first would just say I'm really grateful that the like eight, like the NCAA changed the rule thing because I did start getting recruited in like eighth grade. Um, and I'm just really thankful that somebody was like, that is not okay. You should not be deciding where to go to college in eighth and like the beginning of your ninth grade year. Like, cause I didn't even know what I wanted or had thought about anything. Um, so I think I always had it on the back of my mind, especially back then. And then it was really exciting. Um, but then when I started to actually think about what I wanted in a program, um, honestly, one of the biggest, like when I had a bigger list, one of the biggest, like when I cut it in half or started really, was I just really wanted a female coach. Yeah. Like I've had a lot of male coaches. Like she is the only female coach I've ever had in my life. And I've had like a lot of coaches, like from Mm -hmm. random different things. Um, and I think that was like super important to me. And so when I talked and I was getting recruited by like Maya and I was so excited that there was like going to be young female coaches in the yeah. program. And like, I don't know, that was so exciting for me. Um, I also, when I was talking to different schools, like I've always been impressed by a school that when I'm getting recruited, they show me the soccer elements, but then they also talk to me about the school and we would sit with a coach who would give us a presentation on the facilities for the sports and how sick it was and how much gear I was going to get. And I was like, Oh my God. And then the presentation would end and they'd be like, okay, talk to us later. And I would be like, wait, I don't even know what the school looks like. So um, that was really important to me. Um, yeah. And when I went with my mom to the U of M to the actual campus, yeah. That really changed some things for me because um, near the end of my process, I was talking to a couple of different schools that were really similar to the U of M in a lot of ways, just right. like different location. Right. And I think that was kind of a realization moment for me when I actually went on campus. I was like, I don't really know why I'm so scared of just being here. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Like the campus is beautiful. And right. I think growing up here, I thought that it was so like city-like. Right. There is actually a campus that I just never had noticed because I was like, scary, Minneapolis, I think yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of a realization moment for me. I was like, huh. So I'm really talking to another school just because it's not in Minnesota. Right. Even though I think I genuinely enjoy the coaches and the program better here. So right. Right. biggest factors for me. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, you know, being like a suburban kid thinking like, oh, well, the the Twin Cities campus must feel like this or it must feel like that. Because I'm from, you know, like far rural northern Minnesota. And to me, the entire Twin Cities is like one single place because you just like don't know anything about anything. And so I would have like my association of what the Twin Cities campus would be is like, oh, it must be like near the Metrodome or I guess it's kind of by the Mall of America or, you know, whatever. It's so weird too, is like, we don't even live in like a rural area. Like we're six minutes away. We're six minutes away. I think it's genuinely just because I had never like, yeah, for the distinction between the campus and the area around the campus. And so we went and I said, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to drive the perimeter. Yeah. Because I need you to know that this is a campus. And yeah. That was, that was how we started it. Because I think they had gone to so many games as kids 
whether it was hockey or basketball or um, been on the campus, but not At been night. where the school buildings were. I think that yeah. just made the big difference. And all those and all those athletic facilities, even though the ones you just mentioned are closer to the campus than ELR, closer to the Minneapolis campus, they're also on the edge. And so it's this thing where you can kind of, yeah, until you've been on it, you won't get that vibe. And I guess um, Alma too, I mean, Avi, I'm, I'm making what I assume is a safe assumption that you were being spoken to by the U you know, well before Aaron was the head coach. And then you have that moment last year where I know I was messaging with like current players at that time being like, what's the vibe? Like, like, how are you all feeling for for recruits? What was the vibe for recruits in terms of, you know, obviously you said you'd talked to Maya, um, you know, Allie wouldn't have been on board yet, but like you, you'd talked to Maya, you'd met, I'm sure you'd been talking to Seth, whatever, met with Corey, whatever. But then you know, were you all kind of just messing messaging each other? Like, well, we'll see what the hell happens. I mean, like it's, it is pretty up in the air. Like for you, if you said having a woman head coach matters and then for whatever reason that you hire some bro, like that is, it, it's it not- was terrifying. It was so terrifying. <laughs> like me and I have one commit that's on my club team. Yeah. And so we got to practice that day and we like grabbed each other's hands and we're like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this is not what I thought was happening. And so I think there was like a lot of anxiety just because, oh, is the new coach going to like me? Who is the new coach? Right. Am I going to like them? Right. Um, I think I trusted that it would be a woman. Yeah. I just kind of trusted that. Just well, I, I, I did. I sort of did too, but that didn't mean I was willing to be a hundred percent. Yeah. So <laughs> that was kind of the main thing is I was like, okay, I, I mean, I ha- I got like, I remember like, a couple coaches texted me and were like, Hey, like, yeah, this the ch- like reach out if you want to talk with us. And I was like, okay, chill. Right, like, right, right, right. Yeah, I need we- to like think about this. Um, right. Wisconsin, um, Wisconsin's like, Hey, we're oh, still yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that, I think that was kind of the stressful part is I was yeah. so like excited and confident about my decision. And then that kind of upended a little bit, but yeah. at the same time, like, it's really exciting to have a change. I'm like, great. Well, this is kind of fun. I get a fresh start. Yeah. This new program gets a fresh start. Yeah. Um, And I think I also like when I committed to the U I committed here because I was really, I wanted there to be an intention that they wanted to become a really, really good program. And, and Erin, when she came in and I talked to her and I saw the little interviews with her and stuff. And my mom was like, I know, and I was like what's she like she's super competitive and I was like great like that's what I want and so then I was like I feel confident with this again right yeah I think that like you said the new start thing is something I, I've people are probably sick of me mentioning that but I I've I that was my number one thought the entire time during the search process is I don't think people appreciate how much of a grind and how hard D1 athletics is for the coaching staff and for the players. And like Steph had been here so long, the number one question I kept asking, because the first story is she's leaving. So everyone's asking me about that. They're like, why would she leave? Why would she leave? Whatever. And there can be a million reasons. But the thing I kept telling people that they were not thinking of is like, one, I've changed jobs a lot shorter than after eight years. First of all, two, this job, these jobs are really hard and just a fresh start in and of itself can actually be really freeing both for the coaches and the players Mm -hmm. and just a nice reset, a moment of reset. You don't know, like 
for players, I mean, it's obvious the players that maybe weren't on Steph's good list, then they feel like I have an opportunity. But even but even anyone, even for a new recruit, it's like like you said, it's interesting to hear that even you as a recruit were like, oh, well, this could be cool. Like, who knows? And then if it's if she's good, she's good. And obviously, I I my personal, um, you know, intel has been that players have really loved playing for her and it's been a really positive environment. Um Obviously, I'm super excited to see what happens after an actual spring and off season after she got all of two seconds to get the team together. But um, yeah, that's exciting. And I it is going to so many games, like you said, watching the team so many times. And I am interested what you all were picking up of like, oh, this is what she likes to do, blah, 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 because it's such a funny first year thing, too. Definitely. Yeah. Well, you two actually decided what this last segment would be. I didn't choose it. You two being mother-daughter is what d- decided this. So we we have to do this last segment. We are going to do trivia about Anne, your playing era, and Alma, your playing era with the Gopher team. And again, I didn't choose this. You two being mother-daughter is what decided this. So we are going to have to we're going to have to jump into this. First, Alma, you are so brave. You are going to go first because I know you want to go first. We are going to jump in. So it's just two questions for each of you. Do not get scared. It's not like the Midwest trivia game we made uh, Sophia and um, Gabby go through. So Alma, the Gopher soccer program record for most goals in a single game, single game was set during that inaugural 1993 season. Yeah. How many goals do you think were scored? In a single game? In, in a single game. game. And that's for you, Alma. Was it by your, like, your friend that was really good? What, is it the goals for the game or by one player? So for the whole game, and Alma is answering it because it's about your playing career, Anne. Um, I don't know. Six. You, you were close in the sense that it was half of that. It was 12. Who scored? Jen McHelmer in the game? Well, no. She went on the team the first year. Oh, I don't know. It yeah. was game. 12-0? Yeah, 12. Well, I don't know if it was zero, but it very likely could have been. It was against St. Thomas. Oh, okay. Good job. And, and, oh, you had two? I think so. I will tell you the stats from back then are not very online, so I'm happy for any statistical (laughs) bragging you want to throw in here, Anne, because... I'm only bragging because you mentioned at the beginning of the show, right there. But Anne... was me playing against my former teammates, right? But Anne, you should know this. This is an all hype zone. There's no, there's no humility on these shows. Alma, same for you. There's no, no humility allowed in these shows because you all already are too humble all the time. Anyway, this is all hype all the time. So it's, it's bragging. It's hype. It's, it's building up. And we will pivot to you. And for, because obviously Alma has not suited up for the Gophers yet. We are using as, as Alma mentioned, she watched all the games last season to get a sense of the team. So, Anne, we are going off some advanced stats on last season's team. And here's question one. Two Gophers tied for highest pass percentage, so successful passes completed out of passes attempted, last fall, according to Scout. Can you name at least one of the players? So two players tied for the highest percent. Sophia Bowman. No. I'll give you another chance. We'll give you another guess. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a defender. She's cheating. She's. I don't know Delaney who it is. Stecker. I'm just saying it would probably be a it's defender. Not, it's not Delaney, and I don't actually have the stats up. It's possible that both uh, Sophia and Delaney were up, were close to the top, but the very top two were Lauren Donovan, yeah. so the holding midfielder who's just 
you know, always on her, always on her P's and Q's. And then Sadie Harper. You know what? Actually, that was going to be my third guess. Which props, props to Sadie. All the, all the love I give Sadie on these shows. I don't think pass completion percentage would be like the top thing I'd think of for Sadie. I think of effort. I think of defense. I think of getting in the right spots. Yeah, but for keeping the ball. Yeah, Pass percentage, Sadie shouts to you, the, the elder Harper sister. Alma, your second question about your, your mom's era with the Gophers. The Gophers played a pretty interesting schedule back in 1993. If folks want to go back, you can see who they played. It's an interesting mix of teams that are now in the Big Ten, but then also random teams like Valparaiso, St. Thomas, McAllister, um, uh, a but Marquette, maybe I don't. There's a there's a random assortment, and so it's so. But they actually did very well record wise that year. They ended with they played a total of 19 games. So out of for 19 games, what? How many did they win that year, Alma? Do you think? 19 games. Mm-hmm. I bet you won 11. 13. <laughs> I was close. 13 and six, which by the way, you mentioned Suman Sumantane. I went back and looked at the records. I think she had like a winning, you all had a winning record like every year. It was bonkers. She was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And Sue, I'm sure you're watching this show. I'm sure you watch every one of my shows. If you want to come on, come talk about the program. I'm sh- again, I'm I sure. I just saw her when we were down yeah, in Florida. Florida. You see, no, I saw her. Um, and and yeah. t- hook me up. Let's get this original <laughs> Gopher coach on here. All right. she, although you don't, you don't have to because she's already a viewer. I'm sure. I'm sure she watches every show. All in on her own. Yeah. All okay. the former. I'm sure all the former Gopher coaches are watching. Mickey, I'm sure you're watching. Steph, I'm sure you're watching. Everyone's watching. Obviously, this is a very big program. This is the hype part. I get it. Yeah. I'm, I get exactly. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm hyping myself. Hyping myself. Exactly. Uh, and so your last question is that a single gopher last fall led the team in both cross percentage, so cross accuracy, and aerial duels won, two categories that I don't usually associate with the same type of player. So who was that player? Can I phone a friend? I just want to make sure I get the name right. Sure. What does that mean? Oh, um. Patricia Ward. No. I actually I'm gonna let you guess a second time because I'm curious who your guesses are. Wait. And and Alma, Alma, you can if Anne doesn't have a guess, you can also attempt a guess if you want. Well now she won't help me. No, I'm trying to think. Because um, I have two. You have two? I'm trying to think of who crosses it. Anne gets up in the air. Who's the girl that had the red No, she's done. I'm gonna give my guess to Alma. Okay, Alma, who do you think? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of who plays like a wing. I know. It's- my second guess was Meg Gray. Okay, no, it's not Meg. Yeah. yeah. It's probably Bowman. Honestly, I feel like she gets up in the air. I know. I, I'm telling you, no. this, this surprised me as well. It is Kenzie Langdock. Is, was that my guess? She was gonna say that. I oh, whispered and I said, what's the name of the girl that had that absolute banger? And yeah. She's, she's a defender. Well, and, then, and then the response would have to be which banger? Because right. she had multiple bangers. The she, one that I watched on repeat. 
Langdock, this is apparently a Kenzie Langdock fan show. She also led the team in duels won and interceptions. Just like statistical darling, Kenzie Langdock. So you both survived that, that fun round of trivia. More importantly, you survived till the end of this, this long show and us attempting Instagram at the beginning that people did not see in this version of the show. But Alma, Alma Beaton heading to the Gophers for the fall 2022 season, the first ever legacy player with the Gopher soccer program. Her mom, Anne, also played for the Gophers in the inaugural D1 season for the University of Minnesota. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. Thank Thanks you for so having much. us.